0: Starry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, good times will be home. My name is Mark Starry and I'm a 15 plus year veteran of the Twin Cities Minnesota Metro Music Scene. Check me out at Mark Starry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net, also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music, including my new track, Dog Park, is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you got an extra buck or two that you wouldn't mind tossing in the podcast tip jar, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Music Podcast. Also consider helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by Oscar Wilde speak no evil and you'll never be invited to a party thanks for tuning in and welcome to the mark sterry music podcast enjoy Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 90. Thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you this week on a beautiful summer day in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin. Busy prepping the family cabin for the 4th of July family events while listening to the new episode of Jim Florentine's Comedy Metal Midgets podcast. Sounding off the day right. Last week's Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Great to see Trav and Kate out and about, and good reason to rock some replacements. Thursday, Brian K. Johnson and myself jammed at the YZETA Bar and Grill. Walked in and was informed that they were canceling live music, and our show that night would be the last. We've been playing the last Thursday of the month rotation there for five-plus years. Lots of friends, fans, and memories made at the Muni. Very disappointing, and I hope they reconsider. Friday, I played a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater, Minnesota. Despite Fourth of July weekend, it was a nice dinner crowd. Saturday, Brian K. Johnson, Copper, and myself loaded up his new tricked-out, unbelievably loud Chevy Suburban and headed to Breezy Point, Minnesota to rock out at JJ's Pub. Guest singer Nikki and I's duet of Islands in the Stream brought the house down. Sunday, Copper, the Wonder Gold, and I played a show at Paradise Landing in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin. The weather was perfect, and the patio was packed. Cop worked the audience while I jammed away, and we walked away with a full tip jar. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, July 5th. 2017, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Thursday, July 6th, I'll be playing a solo show at Tuttle's in Hopkins, Minnesota from 6 to 8 p.m. Friday, July 7th, I'll be playing a solo show at Ingredients in White Bear Lake, Minnesota from 6 to 8.30 p.m. Saturday, July 8th, Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking Petey Pappy's Poop Deck in Stillwater, Minnesota from 3 to 6 p.m. Sunday, July 9th, Mr. Brian K. Johnson, Brian Ricochet, Leger, and myself, we rocking out at 7 Eighths Jam in Jenkins, Minnesota, from I have no idea, after whenever Burkhardt's done. Guest
1: this week
0: is the frontman slash singer-songwriter of the popular Minnesota rock band The Honey Dogs, Adam Levy. We discuss Sgt. Pepper, the Honey Dog's new single, Your Own Shadow, album art, etc. Enjoy the conversation. Mr. Adam Levy. Welcome to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming down here. We are here at the Karma Coffee here on Lowry in Northeast Minneapolis. This is a super cool place, man.
2: I, I love it. Right across the street from my favorite Volkswagen, Audi repair store. Nice. And friend. My friend. My, actually, my daughter got a job here. So really? come become a hang. Yeah. She's not working today, but... She works here in a couple of other places.
0: That's cool, man. Fizzy I didn't girl. realize this was the first coffee shop I've seen that's dog friendly. Yeah, we, there are a couple of dogs in here, aren't there? Yes, there are. And if I would have known that, I'd have brought a Little Copper along, I think. Uh, um, but that's cool. Next time. Yeah. Do you have a dog yourself? I don't. I got three cats. Three cats? I got yes. a cat too. What's the name of your cats? Dee Dee,
2: as in Dee Dee Ramon, uh, and Sadie and Prudence, which my daughter's named. Okay, from the White Album.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yep, I was going to ask you about that, about the Beatles stuff coming up here, too. Yeah. Um, how'd your cat's health... Do you have any health problems at all? Um, I have a cat at home, and she licks holes in her stomach and stuff. Really? And just oh, dis- boy. She's 10. She's starting to get the kind of health problem. How Behold old is she?
2: 10. She's 10. I had a 13-year-old cat this fall that fell ill um, and had organ failure. I think like some sort of... Kidney problem and or bladder problem that the doctor wasn't able to figure out, and so she died. Uh, and then I got these two cats, these two humane society cats, and they've everybody's pretty healthy. My experience with cats is they're pretty durable, you yeah. know.
0: But yeah, they're unique. They're unique things, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so Adam Levy, you're the lead singer and songwriter of the Honey Dogs, amongst all your solo stuff. I was going to ask you, how is your hand? <laughs> I saw on Facebook this nasty yeah. stuff about your hand, and I saw the one where you're popping it. Yeah,
2: well, as you can see, it's it's healing, but it looks like a, like a burn heal, you know? It basically was a burn heal. For, uh, for anybody listening right now, uh, my warning is if you're going to squeeze a bunch of limes or lemons, make sure you wash your hands before you go in the sun.
0: And that's what it was?
2: That's what it was. It took me a couple days to figure out what the hell it was. I... Uh, I had my daughter's graduation party a week ago last Sunday, and uh, I was like, spent three hours prepping food for this really big party. And the last thing I did was I squeezed 12 limes, and I figured, you know, limes, you don't need to really wash it. It's healthy, you don't need to wash it off your hands. And I was in the sun, and the next day I noticed I had these burns on the sides of my hands by my thumb, and they just kept getting worse and worse. And I, I went online and looked it up, and it's a condition called phyto photodermatitis, and eventually, by the middle of the week, I ended up having a blister that was about the size of a half of a lemon, and uh, (laughs) you know, I was in the emergency room because I was having an allergic reaction, breathing stuff, and they gave me steroids and Benadryl, and so I was kind of out of it most of the week, and then the blister just didn't go anywhere. I played that big Sgt. Pepper Beatles show on Thursday night with a bandana kind of gently wrapped around my hand so it wouldn't blow up. And then Friday, I just thought I was supposed to be recording with this woman, and I just I called her and just said, "Hey, man, I got to cancel. I'm going to the doctor, and I'm gonna have this thing lanced." Yeah, which they did, and I filmed it and I put it up on
0: I saw that on
2: on, uh, you know on Facebook, and it's had over thirteen thousand views. I feel (laughs) feel famous. I ended up getting calls or uh, emails from around the world. I did an interview with somebody from the UK. guy that does medical reporting in the UK so there's gonna be a big story like I think in Huff post and some other place that he he's kind of syndicated so it's kind of a big deal like there's a lot of people that are getting this and not knowing what the hell it is and uh, Instagram also a lot of people have reached out like oh wow my friend just had that same thing or wow look at me look at my pictures I had the same thing and I'm at a different stage than you are what do I do and so it's just uh, it's a thing you know it's like a
0: lot of people that are Dealing with it. Wow, that's crazy, man. And you think that spending a lifetime writing songs and making videos doing all that stuff and yeah. here you're gonna be world famous for, yeah. for squeezing lemons. Hey, you know, and they <laughs> and and they're even they're even
2: mentioning I'm a songwriter in my band and websites on there. So. Oh dude. There's a friend of mine who reached out uh, on Facebook and she said you got to get this thing on, and she gave me this website. Like she said, I put this video of a squirrel and a bunny, like these baby babies, baby animals playing with each other out in front of my yard, and I made three thousand freaking dollars on this thing over the course of a year. So wow. she gave him my number, and maybe I'll get in that pipeline for a little <laughs> extra
0: dough. Um, speaking of the Beatles thing, how did that the Beatles tribute go? Fifty years of Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. Um, I've listened to a million podcasts now about the history of all oh, really? that stuff. Yeah, You know more um, than I do then. Uh, how did the show go?
2: It was fun. We did two shows actually. We did one in Rochester with like a 40-piece orchestra. cheaper Strings, woodwinds, brass, harp. You know, we really, I think the intent was to kind of try to recreate Magical Mystery Tour and Sgt. Pepper, both of which came out in 67, 50 years ago, as, as best we could. As faithfully as we could, and uh, I kind of realized, you know, after the second show, it's like it's like somebody giving you the keys to this amazing car, like you know, the fanciest Bentley or Jaguar or whatever you could imagine, and just saying, you know, go for a spin, and all you got to do really is like stay in the lines. It kind of drives itself, and this music is just if you've listened to it enough, you know it. I, I've kind of internalized it since I listened to it since, like, 1977. It's, like, kind of in my DNA. Um, and so I got to sing some of my favorite songs. I got to sing Strawberry Fields Forever and Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and I Am the Walrus and She's Leaving Home and The John Lennon Day stuff. in the Life. Yeah, I guess, with the exception of She's Leaving Home. Yeah, mostly Lennon stuff, but I love She's Leaving Home is, like, one of my all-time favorite songs.
1: Wednesday morning at 5 clock as the day begins, silently closing bedroom door, leaving the note that she hoped would say.
0: How did you guys pick the key for Strawberry Fields? Because don't they slow that down? Doesn't they, they, they pick, wasn't it two different versions or something, or and they kind of... Yeah. Like it's just kind of this goofy key, isn't it? It's right. Strawberry. It's
2: kind of falls. It kind of falls somewhere near an A flat, pretty much. So we just used, you know, the final version of the song. It, it's pretty much uh, pitched to A flat. Okay. Like his voice is slowed down on it, and That's it's A flat. It um, so who set this all up? Well, the first person that set it up was Paul Scott. Who's part of a really big musical family And his brother Tom Scott Was also involved And Tom is an old buddy of mine And one of the founding members of Hookers and Blow One of my yeah. other bands Yep. So there's two Scott brothers And Ken Chastain who plays with a ton of people He's played with Westerberg And plays with Semisonic and New Standards And super talented uh, Music Music house uh, Writer, guy uh, John Eller I don't know if you know John. I don't know if I know John. John is, like, musical savant, just knows everything. Such a brilliant musical mind, like, plays piano. He used to play piano at Nice before it closed. Okay. He was, like, the dude that people would come and sing, so he just knows, like, a zillion songs. John Fields playing bass. Okay. Of course, John's produced, like, most of the Honey Dog's music and yeah. worked with the Jonas a Brothers and was looking him up
0: Miley I Cyrus. Yeah. Um, for sure, And I saw my friends uh, Joe Carey and Brandon Sampson oh, yeah. singing. Yeah, and Joe too. is Joe is involved. Joe's great.
1: Shops in business, real nice, and looks great.
2: Joe's really He's good. He's a podcast like, guest as well. He uh, he's amazing. He's a really good singer, but he's also like, he just did like he filled in everywhere and just learned all of the extra parts and doubled vocal parts and stuff. Brandon's a good buddy of mine too. Brandon's a great, awesome dude. Yeah. have you done? Has you ever done a, a
0: podcast with him? Not yet. He's one of my old, old music friends. We used oh, cool. to tour around with those guys. Oh, Six nice Mel with Grove. Six Mile Grove. Uh, we used to do the Iowa tours and all that kind of stuff, traveling around with those guys. So yeah. I have so many stories of Brandon Samson oh, I that, that I don't know if I want to even get it started. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love. Him. And now he's got ones. that limb. Now he's got that that limb company. I know. I yeah. sent one of my my one of my summer. I teach summer school too for the month of June. I just finished last week. Direct uh-huh. the play, and do some art classes and stuff. And uh, one of my students many years ago had a uh, injured knee, Uh-huh. and uh, just knee was feeling weird. Brought him to the, the they brought, parents brought him to Children's Hospital in Saint Paul. Here he had cancer, wow. and so they had to amputate his leg and oh, flip no. it upside down and and put the the foot or the ankle became his knee or something. Oh my god. So he went down to Brandon Sampson and had Sampson a fixed him all up. Or something? A, a new prosthetic leg. Wow. So yeah, Sampson's a heck of a guy. I mean yeah. I, I've liked him for years. I've been friends with him for years, played a million shows with them. So good soul. Um, good guy, good songwriter. So would you so what what did you th- what are your highlight songs with Sgt. Pepper? Um you know
2: it's funny because it's not my favorite Beatles record. It's more the the, the aura around that record more like the the firsts that that record represents. You know, it's a... Uh, there It's like one of the first sort of concept albums and kind of art albums that comes around. Um, the band sort of starts using more additional instruments rather than just the four-piece band in there and kind of use the orchestra as a palette and the studio as a as a, another instrument, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's the it's it's the whole thing that's so cool. But I really do, I think She's Leaving Home is a magnificent song. It's just a beautiful, I could talk about that song and the lyrics in that song and the meaning of that song. And it kind of has additional resonance for me right now having an 18-year-old daughter who's about to move away. And Oh boy. And uh, that song is, you know, at the height of sort of the, the beginning of the summer of love and, and the hippie world where where the kids were really pushing away from their parents. The song is a really sympathetic song towards the parents about, you know, this these shifts that were happening in the culture where where kids were seeing themselves as a different generation. And and it's like, it, McCartney is what, I don't know, 25-year-old 20, dude is so mature, the yeah. lyrical approach in that song. And I think... A Day in the Life is probably, you know, one of my favorite Beatles songs.
1: I read the news today, oh boy Four thousand holes in Blackburn, Lancashire And though the holes were raw. Rob-
2: A masterpiece of just, you know, mood and, and, uh, and kind of epic... Um, experimentation it's really cool i would love to heard how you guys put that one together mm. it's really cool it's you know that 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 orchestral thing that happens before paul's paul's part of the song is basically just the orchestra at different times going chromatically up the scale kind of slowly at different you know so everybody's kind of starting at a different note so it makes this kind of cascade. Yeah, like, gets really big and huge. It's really fun to do that with a bunch of people on stage. Oh my god! And then that end, you know, the the ending chord is just, just so a- epic. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's <laughs> cool. Oh wow! So do you agree that's got to be one of the best albums album covers, if not the best album cover of all time. It's
2: definitely up there. It's a really, it's a cool, it's a cool art piece for sure. Like I say, you know, the whole. The whole thing, the art of that record, the lyrics, the music, the process of making it, it's all uh, such a culturally significant
0: artifact. As a history buff, if you could meet one person on the album cover besides the Beatle guys, who would you want to meet? Oh my gosh, on that album cover? Yeah. Man, I can't remember everybody on there. I mean I'm thinking Brando,
2: Brando Ed Allan Paul,
0: Alistair Crowley. <laughs>
2: Alistair Crowley's on there. Oscar Wilde is somebody Oscar who I've Wilde's always been on there. fascinated by.
0: Um uh, he's hilarious. I was reading his yeah. Book last oh, yes, is. he is um, really funny. The picture of Dorian Gray, the guy I can't think of the guy's buddy. Whoever Dorian Gray's buddy is, just hilarious. These one-liners he has constantly through the whole play, the whole book is amazing. Yeah, I mean he's he was
2: sort of a, a, a almost a stand-up comedian of his time. Just his ability to play with language. I can't remember a lot of his sayings right now, but. Um, I've used them in the songs before, just because they're so
0: they're so. It awesome. is real lyrical, isn't it? that's yeah. why it was interesting. You could just condense a whole th- a thought down just a right. one line. um Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to dust that off too. I, I can't remember Oscar everybody on the Sgt.
2: Pepper cover. I almost feel like
0: I need to pull that out right now to see. Yeah, you can pull it see. out, man.
2: It's just a loose podcast hanging out here, man. Yeah. I see Johnny Weissmuller from Tarzan. Fred Astaire uh, is Karl Marx on there? Karl Marx would be interesting. Yeah, Karl Marx is there. Oh, of course, Dylan and I remember. I uh... I think they had to get permission to have everybody on this. They had to from the estates, and there was some. I want to say like the Marx brothers wouldn't let them put their images on there.
0: Really? Yeah. So. You ever thought about doing like that, something for the Honey Dogs next album cover?
2: (laughs) Um, You know, I think I'm always trying to come up with something that I've not seen before and uh, trying not to nod to somebody else too much. I, I always feel like people compare us to the Beatles, so anything I can do to not be compared to them and set us apart, I probably would aim for. But I think the idea of trying to come up with really cool album art, I mean, like... So many thousands of ideas have happened. There's so many great, great record covers, but I always—I mean—that's that, something I really like to think about. Like, almost as you're writing the songs, what's the visual, yeah, counterpart to the to the
0: music itself? I wanted to get this a little later, but but uh, talking about album cover art, yeah. uh, the new one you guys are working on Scaredier or shadow or um, yeah. That song rocks, man! I played it three times this morning. I love that. Oh, There's a lot you. of cool guitar stuff in it. It's thank super you. catchy chorus. That artwork you have—yeah—is that for the album cover or just a
2: single? You know, it was sort of a work in progress. I had a fantasy like I was thinking we were going to do a single every month, and 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 have this guy do sort of a similarly themed. Yeah. He sort of used this company from the late '60s. They did like the Seven Up commercials and the. Uh, in the 1960s the Uncola I think was the name of the of the of the ad campaign and they they look like Peter Max and yellow submarine sort of Yeah, they do. So we were going to do that and then I don't know as, as time has gone on it's like I don't know if I, I want to release a song every we've got like a lot of music right now. Yeah. But I think I I fear in this era when you just throw music out with a huge amount of uh Promotion, it gets lost. So I'm thinking I'm, we might just hold our cards a little bit. We, we kind of threw that song out as a teaser, but we got a lot of other great stuff that I think we'll put out sometime, you know, maybe before or right after the beginning of 2018. What was the response to that first track? To that song? Yeah. I think people were impressed with it. You know, people oh, dug awesome. it. awesome. If they like the band, you know, it's sort of... Fit in with our, a lot of a lot of our stuff. I, I've been writing a lot of kind of political music right now. And I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> why would you, you know, do that? You can man. Go, there's just so many ways to go. Like on the one hand, I think uh, I wanted to write things that had nothing to do with the era that we live in, just because it feels so oppressive, you know. So that writing music that isn't related to where we are right now almost feels somewhat liberating, and and writing music about where we are feels like you're kind of enslaved by the political moment. But it is such a power, powerful period we're living in right now, and it's so hard not to, uh, it's so hard not to be affected by it at so many levels. My DNA just feels like it's it's been altered by the the. The arguments and the debates and the 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 new um, order of our government. Can you tell us about your songwriting classes you got going on? Yeah, well I'm I uh, I teach at McNally Smith College of Music and this summer and last spring, a couple months ago, I taught this songwriting class in Northeast at Sarah Jane's Music School, which is a cool Sarah Jane is in cloud cult. <laughs> And she's got this really cool little music school Over here on Central Avenue And she asked me if I'd do a songwriting class And so I'm doing a a four-week kind of seminar Yeah I did it in May and it was a blast It was like, you know, an hour and a half every Sunday And had a pretty big class of people And go through, you know, it's only four weeks So you can't hit on everything But I kind of get through some basics And people do a lot of workshopping and co-writing in there Yeah Uh, I, I love... I love talking about songwriting with people. I love hearing what they come up with. I like kind of talking about the creative process and and helping people move from one place to another in their
0: in their art. Wow. What a positive thing you're doing there. Like I said, when we sat down just kind of catching up is that I used to work for a publishing company in Nashville for like 10 years yeah. or whatever. There was no money in it, whatever, just single song contract stuff. Sure. Um, But I would go down to like this Bluebird and all this kind of stuff and sit there and play for these folks and it was like kind of classes and seminars, but they would... I was ruined for years. They sucked out all creativity. They didn't. They did not like pumping in like you're doing with these kids. They would just dissect the lyric and they would just yeah. try to make it as Walmart and yeah. as possible. And it took. And you'd come home and all you would worry about just what are these people going to like? And these people they didn't right. even care about the melody. Yeah. They wouldn't even care. All they would care about is what you're saying and how many people. You know what's in it for the girl? What's in it for the girl? What's in it for the girl? Yeah. You know and and to not even even take in the melody. Yeah, it just drove me absolutely insane. So yeah. I should take a class like yours and rattle my cage and get out of that whole space. Well,
2: you know, I mean, one, one thing I'll say is you doing that is... there. There's, there's something to learning how to create this formula. Because not everybody makes a hit, you know? Yeah. It's like anybody can write a song, but there's something magical about a hit song. Now, you might argue that, oh, it's just so all the edges are so carved off and it's so generic but it really, like, there's a kind of magic that happens and I admire the people that are able to you know, create that way I'm, I'm, I'm much more, like scrappy, I think my songwriting is more, kind of throw stuff at the wall and uh, collage and and, um, I don't know you either get it or you don't kind of thing yeah, but that ability to write something that connects with so many people—there's something that's kind of special about that. Yeah,
0: Ryan Adams says he's more of like a pencil sketch artist. That's the way he looks at his songwriting. Huh. And uh, I, I love like that. like Jeff Tweedy and Wilco. I was listening to a, a radio show about him on NPR or whatever, and he goes, "Yeah, we've done we've gone this far with never a hit." And don't get me wrong, every single song we were trying to make a hit out of each <laughs> one. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but I thought that was pretty funny.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a little bit of that, I guess, in my own songwriting. Like, I I'm raising a child. I feel like sometimes when I when I write a song, that I'm trying to make this thing really important and lasting, and uh, that it's going to move somebody or some people. It's not just an exercise for myself. Although songwriting is one of the most therapeutic, amazing, transcendent kind of transcendent experiences you can have. You lose touch with time and I forget about my body. I forget I'm hungry. When you're writing something that you know, you just get so immersed in that process. It's like you're kind of connecting with something in the cosmos other than yourself.
0: Yeah, and I find it's like just it's like putting together this puzzle and somehow internally you know when it's done and you just will not stop searching for that piece whether it's a little word or a chord or something like that exactly Um, Mr. Adam Levy, thanks for being on the Mark Stereo Music Podcast that's episode one already can we do a couple more episodes, is that okay? yeah Um, so I always do a story behind the song segment sure so I've been cranking your new one all morning can you mind telling a story behind the song of Scared of Your Shadow?
2: yeah that is a song that's sort of based on uh, a profile, generic profile of, of kind of the angry white dude. And there's a lot of them out there right now. Um, I'm reading a book by a guy named Michael Kimmel called The Angry White Angry White Men. And sort of the evolution of this, what he calls kind of aggrieved entitlement of a lot of white guys basically who feel like There was a time where America had this dream and this promise, and these guys all feel like they worked really hard. You know, they had families. They did everything they were supposed to do, and it didn't deliver the promise. They're not making more money than their parents. They're making less money than their parents. They're working harder. Uh, They're, you know... Their masculinity feels like it's taken away from them. And then they, because of all of this angry radio stuff, their their legitimate complaints have been translated into kind of a really hostile political energy. You know, Rush Limbaugh has taken a lot of these people's feelings and channeled it into hatred towards immigrants and women and gays and, you know, Muslims and... Latinos and whatever else, like, hey, these people are taking shit away from you. Instead of looking at the real problem, which is there's a very small number of people in our country who control all of the wealth and who have moved businesses abroad to make more money and who have taken away, you know, opportunities for people here. And it's just really easy to scapegoat other people. So in a nutshell, that's kind of the person who I'm singing about in that song is the person who feels like they're we're entitled to something and aren't getting it and they're blaming the wrong people for it. And these are oftentimes these people are saying, you know, they're calling people snowflakes. They're saying, you know, you're just sense overly sensitive and you're emotional and, you know, why can't we speak in a way that you don't call politically correct. Everything we say hurts your feelings. And to me, it's like, actually, these guys are really scared. You know, these are the guys they're, they're scared of, and that just guys, they're women and and men, but they're, they're, you know, they're taking the terrorism that's happening caused by very small numbers of, uh, of Muslim folks. And not as scared of white folks who are killing even more people not scared of guns which are causing a lot of this violence and so there's this displacement of fear that seems so like you're scared of your own shadow like you're telling me i'm scared but really you know you you can't
0: even be around people that look different than you that is super interesting Mr. Adam Levy, thanks for being on the Mark Steri Music Podcast. Please tune in next week for part two. Thanks for tuning into this week's edition of the Mark Steri Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for new podcasts about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places, podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Stary Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on the show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short, go have some fun. Till next time.